Welcome to the Marion Road Christian Church Podcast. Marion Road exists to glorify God through worship, sharing the good news, making and developing disciples, and serving others. Well, good morning, church. It's good to be here and to share from God's Word with you today. Before we begin, I just want to give a brief little update on uh, the ministry that I serve, as Monty said, Crossroads Church Partners, and a couple things that we have coming. First, I want to give a thank you. Uh, Whether you guys know it or not, on Monday nights, we have been offering classes here since last October. Uh, Rick Walston and myself have been teaching classes, and there have been almost 100 students who have taken our classes since October. And so I just want to say thank you to the church here for opening itself up so that we can teach these Christian higher ed courses, and that's so many students and churches have taken advantage of them. So thank you for that. The second thing, as you can see on the screen, is we have a Flourish conference coming up May 6th and 7th. Gary Johnson, who is from E2, and I know he's done some training with the elders here, uh, he's going to be up at Andover. And so we'd just like to invite uh, any and all of you to come to that May 6th and 7th. If you're interested, uh, talk to Monty or Ike about that. And actually, Gary, as part of his trip, the week before, he's going to be in Wisconsin for a Flourish conference, and so he's going to be preaching here. I think it's the first Sunday in May that he's going to be here as well as part of the time where he is up here just helping churches again with their elderships and training for them, and so uh, I'm really looking forward to the things that Gary is going to be coming and sharing. And then the final thing I just wanted to make note of is uh, we have started a new ministry uh, in, as part of Crossroads, and that is the area of church planting. Uh, we uh, became aware recently that there wasn't anything happening here in the state of Wisconsin, or in the state of Minnesota, and there was an organization in Wisconsin that had been in existence from 1895, uh, but they hadn't been doing anything for about the last six years. And so I put a proposal to our board, and this organization in Wisconsin, some of you are familiar with them, called the WCMA. They merged into us in late December, and so that allows us now to begin to do church planting in Minnesota, Wisconsin, and the UP of Michigan, and currently we are supporting uh, a church plant in the UP of Michigan in Manistique, Michigan. If you know where that's at, you get a prize at the end of the service today. So, um, so those are just a few things going on in our ministry. Uh, if you'd like to stay updated on our ministry, I actually put a sign-up sheet out on the Welcome Center where you can sign up for our e-news, and, and I put a few of our brochures out there as well. But let me pray before we dig into God's Word together. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful to be able to come into this place. Lord, as Monty shared about the people in Ukraine and the challenges that they face, and yet they find a way to worship you, Lord, we come and there are none of those barriers. We can freely come without fear of persecution. We have a heated facility. Lord, we have so many things to be thankful for. And so, Lord, as we open up your word, we pray that you would remove distractions. So give us the ears to hear and the eyes to see what you have to say to us today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. A number of years ago, I became familiar with a series of books, and the series of books as a whole was called Heroes of the Faith. And they were really short biographies about all of these different Christians throughout the ages and about their faith journeys. People that maybe you've heard of before, Corey Ten Boom, Sojourner Truth, 
George Washington Carver, D.L. Moody, and John Wesley, and many, many, many others. And I was just fascinated. One, they were short reads, so you could get through them rather quickly. But it was fun to read about all these Christians throughout history and about their own faith journeys. To see the challenges that they faced, to see the circumstances that they went through, to be able to see how in the midst of different trials of life, just like you and I go through, how they continued to remain faithful. And for me, it was great encouragement. It was very encouraging to read these stories and to see that they could continue to hang on to the faith and encouragement to me that I could continue on in my journey of faith as well. You see, our faith is meant to be lived out, and that's what those little biographies showed over and over and over again was how different Christians had lived out their faith throughout their lifetimes. In this series that we've been going through, looking at the heroes of the faith out of the book of Hebrews, one of the things that Monty has talked about and that we see over and over again is that our faith is meant to be lived out, that our faith acts, that it's tied to action. But Monty shared with us the first week, and I think it's a good reminder to, to say this again here, is that we are not saying, as Monty said, that our action produces our faith, that we have to do enough to remain in right standing before God, but a faith that responds to who God is and what He has done in our life. That our faith should be the foundation of who we are right now. That is the type of faith that we need. I've summarized it this way, that faith is looking at God and trusting Him with every aspect of our life. That's what we need to do as Christians, is we need to look at God and trust Him with whatever aspect of our life that we're going through. And what the author of Hebrews tries to do is he ties this type of faith to God's people throughout history. Just as those little books that I was telling you about were talking about the faith of Christians uh, in our age, the author of Hebrews is tying that type of faith to God's people throughout history. And today we're going to be looking at a section out of Hebrews chapter 11, verses 23 through 29. And there are really three sets of people that we want to look at. The first set of people we want to look at is the parents. We want to look at parents. It says this in Hebrews 11, verse 23, By faith Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born, because they saw he was no ordinary child, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Now if we look back to the Old Testament and try to find information about Moses' parents, there really isn't much to be found. But it says in uh, the Old Testament that they noticed something striking about him. Some of, the past, some of the translations say that he was a beautiful child. See, Stephen says this about Moses and his speech in Acts chapter 7. There's something about this child that was born that they sensed something in him that he was destined for spiritual greatness. And as an act... And as an act of faith, they act. They look to God and they trust Him for everything. And it says that they defied the king's edict. 
They knew it was wrong to defy the king's edict, but they knew the king's edict was wrong as well and that it was wrong to sacrifice and to kill their child as the edict said. And there's other acts of faith that Moses' parents had that aren't listed here in this. It's by faith that they put him into a basket and sent him down the river after three months. It's by faith that they sent their daughter out into the river to watch where that basket went. And they saw Pharaoh's daughter come out. It's by faith that this little girl approaches Pharaoh's daughter. It's by faith that allowed Moses to spend the first few years of his life with his biological family. Most historians say it's probably between somewhere the first three to five years of his life that Pharaoh's daughter said, take him back to his mother and have him nurse him until he grows older and then send him to Pharaoh's household. And most people say that that's probably three to five years of his life. These foundational years. Psychologists talk about these foundational years in a young person's life, their first three to five years of life. And because of faith, the faith of Moses' parents, these highly formative years were spent in a normal, healthy development where he found his identity where he found his identity of who he truly was and we see the importance of that later on in this passage of scripture ike shared an article with the youth kids parents so all of us who are parents of youth kids ike shared an article a few weeks ago And in this article, it was talking about uh, the largest study that has been done on how parents pass down their faith. There's a lot of anecdotal things that we could say, but this was a hard, concrete study that was done by a person at the University of Notre Dame about how parents pass down their faith. How can they best do that? Here's the headline. The single most powerful casual influence on the religious lives of American teenagers and young adults is the religious lives of, you guessed it, their parents. It's not their peers. It's not the media. It's not their youth group leader or clergy. As good as Ike and Monty are, that's not the main influence on kids' lives. It's not their religious school teachers, it's not Sunday school, it's not mission trips or service projects or summer camp, but parents. Parents, you define for your children the role that faith and practice ought to play in their life, whether it is important or not. And how you adapt it, parents, your children will adopt it. Now dads, listen up. It says, while both parents matter significantly, the role of fathers was found to be particularly crucial, meaning dads have an outside influence and as a result, a very clear responsibility regarding faith in the family, as in leading and participating and engaging in conversations about faith with their child. You see, this shouldn't surprise us. The author of Hebrews starts with Moses' parents. Throughout Scripture, we see the importance of parents. But what can happen if this is not here is that over generations, faith begins to dwindle and not become a priority. A study showed it 
done this way over four generations, that the first generation experiences or encounters faith, that the first generation has an authentic faith. And if that is not passed down to children in the second generation, this is what they find is that the second generation inherits faith. That if, the, if, if we as parents don't help our kids to encounter or experience faith, they might inherit faith where they grow up with it, but they don't really make it their own. And if that second generation doesn't help their kids encounter and experience faith, what happens in the third generation is faith becomes convenient. It becomes for Christmas and Easter and weddings and funerals. And if that generation doesn't help the next generation experience and encounter authentic faith in the fourth generation, faith is a nuisance. It's no use. They have no desire for it. See, they have a decreasing priority of faith until really there is no concept of faith at all. So let me encourage you, parents, the priorities you make today can impact generations. That's what the story of Moses tells us. The faith of his parents impact generations to come. It's true of Moses, and it's true of us today. Second set of pe- uh, people I want to look at is the person. The person. There's a story of a young man who grew up in a well-to-do family. He was expected to follow in his family's line of textiles and take his place amongst the wealthy and the noble of society. But through a number of critical and pivotal circumstances in his life, including becoming a prisoner of war, living among lepers and the poor, and an encounter with God, he threw it off. And literally, he walked away from his father naked, and he devoted himself to the poor, to a life of prayer and preaching. This man was Francis of Assisi. And I wonder if he might have been thinking of Moses when he threw everything away to follow after God. The author of Hebrews puts it this way in Hebrews eleven twenty four through 28. It says, By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to the, his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. The writer of Hebrews here in this passage, he goes from a history lesson to helping us to interpret the events around Moses' life around the person of Moses, and how he freely gave up. He gave up the power that he would have had if he would have stayed in Pharaoh's household. He gives up the position that he had within Pharaoh's household. He gives up the prosperity within Pharaoh's household and all the pleasures that he could have had within Pharaoh's household because he knew 
that he had to be with the people of God. See, earthly comfort was not Moses' ultimate purpose. He was looking ahead and beyond to something greater. He knew that there was a spiritual prize which would last while the material advantages would perish. And I wonder how many of us today, how many of us today would choose personal sacrifice or oppression rather than enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin? And the author of Hebrews is right that there are fleeting pleasures of sin. We do sin because it's fun, don't we? We do do sin because we get something out of it, but he is also right in that it is fleeting. It is always and only for a moment. And then you have to have more and do more and get more to get pleasure out of sin. But Moses was looking to something more. He was looking to God by faith He was looking at God and trusting Him with every aspect of his life. Verse 26, it's a challenging verse. When Monty gave me this scripture passage that I'd be preaching on a number of months ago when I read through this, I read this, and you ever read the Bible and it strikes you as if you've never read it before? Yeah, this is one of those verses Moses regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of earth because he was looking ahead to his reward. I read this and I thought, what the heck are they talking about here? How can Moses, how can Moses be doing this for Christ? He lived 1,400 years before Jesus. Well, When I read through six or seven commentaries, most of them weren't sure either. So that's reassuring for you, isn't it? But there's this sense that when Moses suffered, he suffered with the same Christ who the writer of Hebrews is urging us to identify with. We don't know much about how, we don't really know what Moses understood about the Christ, but He was deliberately rejecting the wealth of Egypt in order to identify himself with Christ in his humiliation. The writer of Hebrews was calling his readers to identify with the attitudes and the experiences of Moses. And so it is through Moses that he's saying we have the opportunity to see and identify with Christ himself. N.T. Wright says it this way, Moses was looking ahead in the long purpose of God to the moment when the true king would come, the one through whom Israel and the whole world would finally be set free from all slavery. And we're asked to identify with Christ just as Moses did in his suffering. He says that Moses persevered because he saw him who is invisible. He saw the God who was invisible, and this reminds us right where this passage of Scripture begins in Hebrews 11.1, where it says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for, and assurance in what we do not see, that Moses is looking at the invisible God, and his eyes are focused on him, and he's looking at him and trusting him for every aspect of his life to lead the people to freedom. 
Now, the writer of Hebrews doesn't take us through every step that Moses took to help the people escape Egypt. He doesn't lead us through all the steps of the Exodus. Those are passed over because it is the powerful act of faith which concerns the writer. It is faith which is his central idea here. And sure, there were plagues as you read the Scriptures. There were fears, there were unknowns, there were angry kings, there was courage and bravery, but faith overrode them all. And I wonder when people look at our lives if they will say the same thing. That yeah, we go through troubles, we go through pain, we go through heartache, we might go through divorce and hurts and we have hang-ups, but does faith stand above all else? When people look at our lives, do they see a life where faith stands above all the circumstances of our life? And then the author of Hebrews takes us to the Passover, that sacred and holy remembrance of God's deliverance of His people by the sprinkling of blood on the door frames of their houses. And by putting the blood on the door frames of their houses, it says that the angel of death was warded off and that he would literally pass over and that there would be no death in that household. And by logical means, it doesn't make sense. And that's what the author of Hebrews is trying to say is logically it might not make sense, but it is an act of faith. They were looking to God and trusting God with this, looking in faith to God as the Redeemer. And finally, the author of Hebrews takes us to a people. This is the only time in this chapter where faith refers to a group of people. And really, the corporate faith of this kind is the sum of the total faith of each individual. When we talk about the faithful people of the Marian church, we're talking about the faith of each and every one of you who are represented in this room. And the author of Hebrews takes and he looks at the faith of the people of Israel. That God is choosing this people from all people and God continues to be on mission and to choose a people from all people. It says, by faith the people passed through the Red Sea on dry ground, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. When you look at this passage in the historical context in the book of Exodus, After the Passover happened, it says that Pharaoh literally kicked them out of Egypt. He encouraged them and he urged them to leave. And it says in Exodus 13, 18 that the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. They're ready to go. And Moses must not have had a GPS because he didn't take a direct route to get out of Egypt. He kind of meandered and wandered. And as he did that, Pharaoh again hardened his heart, the text says, and he began to pursue after the Israelites. And the Israelites became pressed up against the Red Sea, and they see the Egyptians coming after them, and they begin to complain, and they say, Moses, why have you done this? And then, to me, what is one of the most humorous passages in Scripture begins to take place. In Exodus 14, Starting verse 13, it says, Moses answered the people, don't be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord will bring, uh, you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only 
to be still. Man, wouldn't that make a great bumper sticker? Doesn't that make a great meme to put on Facebook? You know, be still and let God work. We like that, right? You know, it makes a great meme, but it doesn't make a good, very good lesson for us today. Because, and this is the humorous part in my eyes, maybe this says something about me. Verse 15, it says, The Lord says to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? He says, Tell the Israelites to move on. See, faith acts. That's the whole point that we've been talking about through this, is that faith acts. Faith calls us to do something. You can't just stand still. You can't take up arms. That's not going to work. It takes faith. It says in verse 16, Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. Following God is the only thing that works. They went out like an army, but fighting won't work. They tried to stand still, but that's not going to work. Faith in God and acting on faith is the only thing that works. We need to look to Him and trust Him with every aspect of our life. And so the people of Israel walked by faith through the Red Sea. And the Egyptians followed, but they did not follow in faith, but in their own power and in their own strength. And as a result, they all perished. And the example of the Egyptians is a warning for us to always be walking in faith and living in faith to be looking at God and trusting Him with every aspect of our life. And like Moses, we will face challenges and seas of difficulty and fear, but we will find God. And as we go through these passages, as we've looked at these passages person by person in the book of Hebrews, you begin to see the long purpose of God and how He each used each one of them. And again, hopefully it's an encouragement to us that He can use each of us as well. That our faith is built on theirs, but it's also built on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. You see, as I think of this, these passages today, it's almost like looking back at a photo album. A photo album of Moses' life, beginning with his parents, and then himself, and then the people that he was able to influence. I brought a photo book today myself. This is a photo book Amy just made for us. We just had our 20th anniversary. Yep, we were married at age 12, so there is that. But, but as I look back at this photo book, it is kind of like looking back at the photo book of Moses' life seeing the people that have influenced us, seeing the people that we have become and the people we've been able to impact. So as we get ready to close today, I want us, though, first to pause and reflect. But for a moment on the faith that we have in and through Jesus Christ. I want us to pause and reflect on who are the parents who grounded us in faith? Or who is it that you are as a parent right now, or maybe the parent you want to become? 
and the influence of the parents that we have had on our own faith. Who is it that you have grown into? And how has your faith grown and developed through the years? Who have you become? How have you seen the hand of God working in your own life to grow into faith? And then just like Moses, we all have opportunity to influence a people around us. We have people in our neighborhoods, in our community. We have people in our schools. We have people in our church that we have the opportunity that our faith can be an encouragement to them, can help them to grow in their walk with Christ. See, as you live out your faith, maybe you encourage and challenge those around you to live in faith as well. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the great heroes of the faith. The heroes of the faith of old as we have looked in Hebrews. Heroes of a faith of those around us even today. And the opportunity that we each have to be heroes of the faith for somebody else. Lord, continually help us to look at you and to live every aspect of our life with you in mind, giving you access and control to it, that our lives might be reflected by the type of faith that we see reflected in Moses. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.